Welcome to the Eastridge Church South Campus Podcast. We bring to you the message portion of our Sunday services in a convenient podcast form. You can listen on your way to work, during your lunch break, or even during your workouts. We want to put tools in your pocket to help you throughout the week. If you would like to find out who we are or what we are about, please visit us at eastridge.church. All right, let's go. Super excited about your being here today. If you are a guest, uh, we are in Revelation. This is actually week eight, and uh, we've been going through Revelation, um, trying to take some of the mystery out of it, uh, even though it is still mysterious. Um, But we've been going through it, just trying to walk through, talking about what does this book mean? And if you haven't been here, I'm going to get you caught up real fast, that Revelation is not linear. It's, It's not going like this, that it is boom, boom, boom. It is pockets of things springing up that we we got this picture of this window that is, it is really windows uh, where John is looking in and says, and then I saw, and then I saw, and then I saw. But if you read Revelation, it's not linear. He sees this and, and then this, and it's not like chronological either. Like this happened before and then this, and then, and then this happened. It's just kind of all jumbled together in that sense. But it, then I saw, and then I saw. But the whole point of Revelation is that we win, that we win in the end. That's the whole point of it, that the, chur- uh, the, the, the book was written, the letter was written to the churches who were going through extreme persecution. It was written to them, but it was written for us. It was not written to us. It was written to them. You read Revelation, it says it is written to the seven churches. It's written to them. It's written for us. And they were going through persecution. And John is writing to them and writing to us that we're going to win in the end. Now, I say that in letting you know that today I have mixed emotions. You ever have mixed emotions about stuff? Anybody ever mixed emotions? And I, I started to think like uh, mixed emotions, you make a big purchase. You're excited. But then then you're like, I got this mixed emotion. I made this big purchase. Should I have spent that money? And we go through this thing and that, you know, buyer's remorse and stuff like that. Or holiday eating. Like I get excited about holiday eating, but then I've got mixed emotions. You know why? Because I'm going to be fat anyway. And uh <laughs> And I've got, I start thinking about, well, if I eat this, then I've got to do this to eat, to maintain. I've got to do, so you got to, I got to walk, I got to exercise, I got to do this. I got mixed emotions. You may be here today with mixed emotions. Maybe you're excited to be at church, but then you found out Cameron wasn't preaching. So you're not excited anymore. You got mixed emotions. It Gary's up. You know, and then I was thinking about last night that, you know, uh, you know, this is really mixed emotions and this is so petty, but I had mixed emotions about Alabama losing last night. You know, I wanted to see Nick Satan. I mean, Nick Saban. I mean, you know, you know I'm just kidding. Is anybody? I'm teasing. Is anybody an Alabama fan that I've offended? Like, you're gonna, you're gonna leave. I'll pray in a minute. You can slip out and email Cameron at Eastridge Church. That's who you need to talk to. I'm teasing, guys. Come on, lighten up. When I tell you what the message is on, that's gonna seem very light. I got mixed emotions about today's message because. We're talking about wrath. The scripture that Holly read deals with wrath. Now, here's the truth. If you're here, you're like, man, man, I wish I hadn't come to that one. I like the love message. I like the joy. I like the one where God's going to bless me. Like, who doesn't like those? I like those. And then you start talking about wrath. And we just struggle. We struggle with the whole concept of wrath. Now, I'll just give you a definition of wrath. Wrath is strong, vengeful anger 
or indignation. Wrath is retributary punishment for an offense or crime. And we struggle with wrath because wrath just seems really harsh. It does seem harsh. As soon as I talk about it, we start going, uh, and we get this picture of God being this angry God who's angry, who's mad at us all the time, mad at us all the time, and he can never be satisfied. And yet we read Revelation, and it talks about God's wrath. I thought about this week, that this week in, in, in Wisconsin, the guy drove into that parade. He drove into that parade, killed those people, injured. Everybody know what I'm talking about? Now, I don't know about you, but that stirred up a wrath in me. Did that not stir up a wrath in you? How could you do such a thing? How could you do so? How could this be? How could, how could this happen? And you, you, want, you want this person to be punished. We want, we want this punishment to take place because this person has done something wrong. Well, that's what wrath is. That's what wrath is. It's this justifiable punishment that we have before God. Now, the truth is that we would experience wrath in our life. Cameron alluded to this last week, that if someone does something to your kid, man, there's wrath. That if someone does something to your wife or your husband, there's, you, you experience, man, I want wrath. If they wrong them, they wrong them. Then if someone does something to your dog, we see someone doing something to a dog, there's this wrath that comes up inside of us. Years ago when... Um, Marissa, my oldest, was little. She had terrible allergies. She had terrible allergies. We weren't going to school here. We were living in South Carolina. And she had a substitute teacher that day, and she had a class in a trailer. Her nose was running. She probably doesn't want to hear me share this, but it was bad. And the, the substitute teacher told her she could get no more Kleenexes. She thought she was uh, faking it just to get up. And I picked Marissa up, and she told me that. And I said, what did you do? She said, I wiped my nose with my sock. Listen, I'm going back to the school. I'm telling you, I was, I was ready to fight. I'd have beat them all, you know what I'm saying? But whipped by a preacher, you know what I mean? I'd have been locked up. You talk about wrath. I'd have been, I'm serious. I was so upset. And I'm not saying I was wrong in that moment. Now, how I handled it or would have handled it, here's the great news. When I got, when I got to school, that teacher was gone. Praise God, because I was going to act like an idiot. I was. I was just going to act like an idiot. And there's moments where we get a glimpse of what wrath is like. But I'm going to walk through before we get to the message. This is our problem with wrath. Hang with me here. Here's our problem with it. It seems harsh. You start talking about that God has wrath and it says it's been stored up. That God's eternal. He's timeless. And it's not like he, it's just been building up. He's been stored up for all eternity, this wrath seems really harsh. The second thing is, we think we are good. Like we talk about somebody running into a parade, we go, well, I didn't do anything like that. And we think we're good. So I'm going to walk you through a little exercise here just to talk about that you and I are really not as good as we think we are. And, and you can participate in this. All right. Has anybody in here ever told a lie? Do you know what that makes you? It makes you a liar. And what's funny is like, we'll post on Facebook, I can't stand a liar, but we lie. We do. We lie. I've told lies. You've told lies. Truth is, before your life ends, there's a good chance you're going to tell another lie one day. 
I'm just telling you. I'm not justifying it. I'm just telling you. That's what human nature is. All right, here's the second one. Has anybody ever stole something? You ever stole anything? Yeah, hands are that. People are like this. I don't want anybody to think. Yeah, you're a thief. You are. You're a thief. You're a thief. I've stolen stuff before in my past. Yeah, sure. You know what that makes us? It makes us thieves. And I, I don't want you to raise your hand on these, but I'm going to run through some. You ever lusted after someone? Jesus says that makes you an adulterer. You ever got angry? Rage? Jesus says that's like murder. I could go with jealousy, our language, deceitfulness. And I think if we're really, really honest with ourselves, we're not near as good as what we think we are. And you top that off with God's got this standard of perfection. That wrath is for anyone who's not perfect. That you and I are not good. Now you're going to go, that's not fair, it's not fair. I'm going to get to that in a second. The third thing is, we struggle with wrath because we don't like to give an account for any of our actions. We don't want anybody telling us what to do. We don't want anybody holding us accountable for our actions. We don't. We don't enjoy that. Thank, thank you for holding me accountable. Anybody ever said that? You ever got on one of your kids? Oh, thank you, Dad. That was, that was great the way you disciplined me for that accountability. I just don't do that. We don't, we don't do that. We don't do it as adults. As a matter of fact, I think it's worse as adults. Because we think when we get to be adult, I'll do what I want. And so we don't want anybody to hold us accountable for the way we live our lives. You ever get a speeding ticket and you thank the policeman? Thank you. Thank you for that justice. I appreciate it. Praise God. You're here. You know what? You know what we do? We, we make excuses. We go, it was a speed trap. This is ridiculous. We start thinking of all these things. He was waiting for me. I was just, it, was just, it was just 18 miles over. That's not that bad. I'm a good driver. Have you ever been late for work? Get reprimanded? That felt good, didn't it? We love when people hold us accountable. Years ago, there was a guy here at church at this campus, and he doesn't go here now, but he's here at this campus, and I'd been praying for him to get a job. He got a job, and, and, and I, I saw him the next Sunday. I said, how's the job going? He said, I got fired. I said, what happened? He said, man, I was just late two times. <laughs> two times in one week. Well, they let him go. I get it. I do. I get it. But nobody enjoys that, do they? Nobody enjoys it. That may seem harsh to some of you if you're late all the time. The fourth reason is this. Wrath feels unfair. Because we've built in our minds that we're good people, that we don't owe anybody anything. Nobody's going to tell me how to live my life. That wrath feels unfair. And I want to share this with you. What's unfair is that Jesus had to die for you. That's what's unfair. What's unfair is that the one who never did anything wrong went to the cross. We just took the Lord's Supper, paid the penalty for your sin and my sin. Listen, with his blood, with his body, tortured, beaten, spit upon, made fun of, mocked, that is unfair. Not the fact that God holds us accountable for the way we live. Okay, now that we're all together, everybody good? Let's look at here. Revelation. John is using a literary um, 
method called recapitulation, not that you need to know that, where he repeats things. Same thing that we do all the time in, in learning. We repeat things, repeat things. And so he, we start with the seven. The seven seals are the story of redemption. It's it, the, Praise God, the, the message of God going out through eternity is not a message of wrath. It's a message of redemption. But in order to be redeemed, they have to be redeemed from something. And so we redeem from the wrath of God. It's the story of redemption, of humankind rebelling against God and God pursuing and calling man back into a right relationship. And this is the perspective when you read Revelation from the suffering church. And then he uses another symbol. Let's go to the next one. The seven trumpets, seven trumpets, seven, seven, seven. We talked about seven being this magic number of God, this number of completion. Seven trumpets are the story of redemption, that we've got to be redeemed from something. It's being redeemed from the wrath of God because we are sinful people that we're really not that good. We're not. We're not. We think we are. We dress up. We wear, wear nice clothes, and we, we live in nice houses. We drive nice cars. We have nice jobs, and we think we're nice. We think we're good, but we're not. It's a story of redemption because we rebel against God. We do. We rebel. We don't want to do what God wants us to do. I don't at times. I don't. I have this thing in my flesh where I know the right thing to do and I feel it welling up inside of me fighting because I want to be the God. I want to be the boss. And this is welling up and God is pursuing me and you over and over again, calling us back. Come back, come back. Turn back, turn back, turn back to me. This perspective is of sinful men and women who have no intention of repenting. And we know people that they're going to do what they're going to do. They're never going to repent. They don't want God in their life. And then again, the next one, the seven bowls. Again, seven bowls. He's using this thing where he keeps repeating the same thing over and over again. The story of redemption, humankind rebelling against God and pursuing and calling man back into the right relationship. And this is a perspective from the throne of Jesus, the tent, that John is just telling us over and over. Here's the story of God. You want to hear it? That he's calling us back to him. That in spite of our sinfulness, in spite of us being liars and thieves and adulterers and murderers and being jealous and being deceitful, that God is calling us back. Come back, come back. Accept my son, Jesus Christ. He has paid the penalty for you. You do not have to stand under wrath. That's what he's calling us to. So the first thing is this. The wrath of God is real and the wrath of God is just. The wrath of God is real and the wrath of God is just. Now, when we think about wrath, we think about a lot of times the way someone has treated us when they've gotten angry. And I'll just say sometimes it's our, it's our dad. Like if you lost the remote or you, you dented the car, you got in a car wreck and, and they got mad and then there was just wrath. And, and, or when you were little, remember when you were little and you got in trouble and your mom would say, wait till... And so we got this picture of God that he's coming back. Boy, it must not be good. He's coming back. Dad's coming home, and boy, he's, he's just going to get, get ugly. And I want to share this with you. No one is under the wrath of God but those who choose to be. I want you to hear me on this. No one is under the wrath of God except those who choose to be. That the story of redemption that God is calling out, calling, calling, calling. You're here today. You may not know Jesus Christ. You're here today. You're hearing this. This is God's call to you. Turn to me. Come to me. Accept me. Believe me. Trust me. Calling you. You don't have to stand under the wrath of God. You don't. And then here's a scripture. This is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world 
not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. And the judgment is based on this fact that God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light for their actions were evil. That the scripture that everybody knows, John 3, 16, says God loved the world. Then it goes on to say that people reject that love. Reject that sacrifice. Reject what Christ has done. And those people are under wrath. They are just simply under wrath. Going to face wrath. Going to face God in his anger. God in his, and I use the word anger in a holy and righteous way. Not the kind of anger, you know, when, when you, your dad got home or you did something or whatever. As a matter of fact, there's a quote here I want, I want to give you that from T.F. Lawrence, and I want to walk through it for a second. It says, the wrath of God, which the angels are about to pour upon the earth, is pure and sinless wrath. It is really just the appropriate response for injustice, that we have been unjust in the way we've lived. It's the appropriate response. God's not up there going, yeah, I can't wait. He's not. That's not how it works. He's, he's brokenhearted about it. Priestly in its function, the whole concept of wrath is to get us to turn back to God. Golden in its integrity. Here's what our problem with wrath. We think that God's going to make a mistake. He's not going to make a mistake with anybody. This is not going to be where you, somebody went to hell and it was a man. Oh, man, I guess God messed up. He's not going to mess up. He doesn't mess up. It's impossible for him to mess up. He sees. He knows what, he knows what we are. He knows, he knows everyone. No one will be under God's wrath except for those who choose to be, who choose to want it. There will be no, no bestial passion, no spite, no hate, and no anger of sin at all in it, meaning that God won't be angry to the point where he's sinful and it will be a justifiable anger. Now, I know this isn't exciting about, about wrath. Not the most exciting thing. But here's the part I want to give you. The wrath of God will eventually be finished forever. Now, I've got, uh, I've, I tell you this all the time if you've been here, I've got four kids. I've got four kids, and, and there are things that you do, whether you have one kid or four kids, but one of the things we do in our family is when you get the lunch meat out, you write, we got a Sharpie in the counter, you write on there the date that you open the lunch meat. Does anybody do this? We're, we're, I know, we're, we're, we're weird, okay? The reason is, sometimes that lunch meat will be in there, and you don't know how long it's been in there. Is everybody with me? And if it's been in there past a week, I'm not eating it. And that may, you may be good for 10 days. I'm not. I, the expiration date for me is, is, is seven days. So anyway, so you, you open the lunch meat. This is the ruler house. You open the lunch meat. You write on the Sharpie. 11, what's the day? 28. 11, 28, 21. You write on there. So when I go to the refrigerator, which happens often, and get, want to make a sandwich, I'm looking for that expiration date. And I look, and somebody's opened it. I'm like, all right, who, who didn't put the date on here and the lunch meat? What lunch meat? What refrigerator? What house? Who are you? Nobody knows nothing. You ever been, you ever been there? Nobody. I don't know. The wrath of God has an expiration date. That this isn't going to go on forever. This is great news. Listen to me. This is great news. For some of you today, that expiration date happened when you accepted Christ. And you're not under God's wrath anymore. I'm not either. 
Greatest decision I ever made, listen to me, greatest decision I ever made was accepting Jesus Christ. Didn't grow up in the church. Heard the message of the gospel. Man, just was, heard it for a while, and then just finally I was compelled that this is real. This is real. This is what I want. I'm going to accept Christ. Never, never looked back. I never, man, always thought I got this right. Came from underneath the wrath of God. Some of you are here today. You know the day that happened. You remember when that happened to you? Some of you here today, maybe today is the day that that expiration date applies to you. Maybe today is the day that you need to accept Jesus Christ. That if you were to die, that if Jesus were to come back, if you're honest, you would say, hey, yeah, I'm under the wrath of God. I've never accepted Christ. I never understood God's plan was a plan of redemption to redeem me, to save me. That when I read Revelation, this window that John is, is, is repeating over and over again, this redemption story that God wants to save me. And so I want to walk you through some verses here. Revelation 15, 1. Then I saw in heaven another marvelous event of great significance. He uses this line a couple of times, but when he uses it, it, when he says great significance, I think, well, if he says it, it must be pretty important. Seven angels were holding the last seven plagues, which would bring God's wrath to completion. That at one point, this wrath is going to be over. And for those of us who have accepted Christ when he comes back, this will be the greatest day of our life. Hear me. I'm not trying to scare you. Just This is reality. Greatest day of our life. United with loved ones in heaven. But if you don't know Jesus Christ, listen to me. This is your worst day. This is the worst day of your life that never ends. Next scripture. Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air and the arm and a mighty shout came from the throne in the temple saying it is finished. Meaning that the wrath is over. Now that phrase, it is finished. Does anybody remember when someone said this? Jesus Christ said this on the cross. Remember we talked about revelation is just a repackaging of what's been happening throughout scripture that John repackages it with some different imagery, but we see the same story repeating itself. It is finished. Next scripture. When Jesus had tasted it, this is when he was on the cross, they gave him something to drink, he said, it is finished. Then he bowed up his head, bowed his head and gave up his spirit. That it's finished. That God's heart is that it would be finished for you and for me. That we would not be under his wrath that we would surrender and start following Jesus Christ and trying to live our lives the way he lived his. That's the call of the gospel. That's the call of the Bible. That's the message of revelation. So let me ask you today, where are you at? Let's look at the next scripture. For God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out our anger on us, God's heart is not to, that the appropriate response to sin is justice and wrath, 
But God doesn't want to do it. Christ died for us so that whether we are dead or alive, when he returns, we can live with him forever. So encourage each other and build up each other just as you're already doing. That this is God's heart. And then one more. Such love has no fear. But perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is the fear of punishment. And this shows we have not expo- fully experienced his perfect love. We shouldn't fear. We should not be afraid of when Christ comes back. We should have this, this confidence that I've been saved, that it's not by me, it's by my faith in Christ, what he did on the cross. So where are you at today? Where are you at? Again, not the, the most exciting message, uh, you know, boy, I wish it was on, but a very real message. That you're either under the wrath of God or you're under the blood of Christ. Under the wrath of God, going to face punishment for the way of life, or under the blood of Christ, forgiven for eternity. So I want to close today. Maybe you got mixed emotions about today. Maybe you're like me, you're excited that you're saved. Man, I am. I don't deserve it. I don't. And it's not because I'm a good person. Jesus Christ chose to save me because he loved me. And I chose to accept his love and his grace. Maybe you've got mystic emotions because you're wondering, could this be true? Maybe you've got mixed emotions because you've got friends that aren't saved. You know, we've got these crosses with names of people we want to come to faith. With this cross for those who have so far this year. Maybe that's going on. I think about it like that. Revelation is a reminder to us that there is a supernatural battle going on for souls. Yours, mine, friends. And John's calling us. Come, 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 come. Come back to Jesus. Come on. Surrender. So I want to close out today. Maybe today you need prayer. Maybe today you want to pray for your one. Maybe you want to pray for yourself. Maybe you've never accepted Christ. I want to give you a chance to respond to the message today. I'll be down front. I'll be right here. But maybe you just want to make the front an altar, praying. Or maybe today is the day you're going to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. You're going to come from under God's wrath into his grace, into his love. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask us to stand. If you have a decision to make, pray that you'll make it. Father, we just come to you. Lord, we celebrate that you are a God who redeems, that you love, that you know everything we've ever done and everything that we're going to do. And you've chosen to forgive us. We just simply have to place our faith in you and what your son did on the cross, not in our goodness. Never going to be good enough, smart enough, never, never going to get it right enough. We need you. So Lord, I pray for the person here today who's never surrendered. Lord, I pray for the person today that's surrendered but maybe wandered. They're hearing the call, come back, come back, come back. Lord, I pray for 
our friends, our family members, maybe even our children, our spouses that have never placed their faith and they're our one and we're praying for them. Pray for you to move. We love you, Lord. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Would you stand with me? If you have a decision to make, please come. Thank you for listening today. If you would like to speak with someone about the message you just heard, or if you would like to pray with someone, send us an email at info at eastridge.church. If you feel led to support the ministry at Eastridge, please visit eastridge.church give. Thank you for your generosity. Remember, no matter where you are in life, God loves you. We love you, and you have a family at East Ridge Church.